Welcome to Dispensational Ministries podcast. This is our second message in our series called A Call to Service. We've entitled this message, In the Meantime. Most times in service to the Lord Jesus, we will find ourselves perhaps just being one voice among many. I came to realize and have come to realize over the years that when I speak to someone concerning the Lord Jesus Christ and uh, their need of personal salvation and forgiveness of sin, and even when I try to warn people about the dangers of sin and rebellion of God against God, and I'm sure what I'm about to say is true for every Christian servant who has a heart for reaching others with the truth of God that when we attempt to speak the truth of God to others, we are often considered to be abnormal, maybe weird, unusual, fanatical, somewhat strange or odd and peculiar. And we are often seen as people who are most certainly outside the mainstream of society. And in short, we're just viewed as being different. Now, that's because most of our society has been exposed to millions of voices by way of music, TV, movies, magazines, their education, their friends, their relationships, and many other things. They are most often surrounded by other people who have been exposed and even indoctrinated into philosophies which are contrary to the truth of God. Millions of voices speak things that are contrary to the truth of the And as a consequence, when someone tells them the truth, they are being told things which are foreign to everything they have been taught throughout their entire lifetime. The person that tells them the truth becomes just one single voice among perhaps millions who have told them something opposite and something very different. And you, as the presenter of truth, are considered abnormal in their way of thinking. When we speak to people about their need of repentance and salvation, they, many people, many times, they will think we are being condescending or aggressive or condemning or maybe sometimes disrespectful or judgmental. They may see us as being trying to be superior or pompous or lofty or maybe even talking down to them. Now, as a result of that, we often become timid or reserved from speaking the truth to other people. But as those who have been given the truth and charged by God to communicate the truth, we have to, we are obligated by the word of God to tell others the truth of God. It is urgently necessary that we become less timid, not be tentative, apprehensive. We must speak the truth of God to this lost and dying world. People's lives and their eternal destiny depends on us, those of us who know the truth of the Bible and the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Other men and women and young people Eternal destiny hangs in the balance. They must be told the truth of the Word of God.
Paul said in the book of Acts chapter 20, he was called together the elders of the church at Ephesus, told them that he was going away and they'd never see his face again. In that passage, he said, Wherefore, I take you to record this day, that I am pure from the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God, Therefore, watch and remember that by the space of three years, I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. He said later on in the book of Colossians, whom we speak or preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Jesus Christ. Many times in his earthly ministry, Jesus was confronted by some wicked and unbelieving men who sought to oppose him and his ministry. In one of our last podcasts, we spoke about men and women who, for the most part, will live and die as evil, wicked, and vile men and women, people who are not going to be salvaged from their evil and who will oppose the truth of God in most every way they can. When we're confronted with such men and women or Simply, the everyday affairs of life, which cause believers various kinds of discouragement, or affairs of life, which serve to diminish our inward drive to continue on in the furtherance of the gospel, what do we do? Well, Luke chapter 11 records one such episode in the life and times of the earthly ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. But he left us with an example of what we should do when such things happen to us. Chapter 11 begins or ends up in verse 52 saying, Well, unto you lawyers, for we have taken away the, you have taken away the key of knowledge. Ye entered not in yourselves, and them that were entering in ye hindered. And as he said these things unto them, the scribes and Pharisees began to urge him vehemently and to provoke him to speak of many things, laying wait for him and seeking to catch something out of his mouth that they might accuse him. Then the beginning of chapter 12 says this, in the meantime, when they were gathered together in an innumerable multitude of people, in other words, Jesus, while all this is going on, all these evil men were plotting some ways to entrap Jesus Christ because they could accuse him of wrongdoing and of a speaking blasphemy. In the meantime, the Lord Jesus Christ went ahead with his ministry and there were gathered a multitude of people and he began to preach to them the truth of the word of God. But again, that verse starts with four words. In the meantime, that's kind of an unusual phrase. One would perhaps not expect to see in the Bible, maybe in a short story or a TV show. Like, meanwhile, back at the ranch or in the meantime, back at Gotham City or something to that manner. But it might seem to be a bit odd to hear that phrase in the meantime in the word of God. But while the religious crowd of Jesus' day was busy trying to find ways to trap and accuse the Lord Jesus of 
some kind of wrong or evil. The Lord Jesus Christ just kept on going about his father's business. He just kept doing what he knew was the right thing to do. In their zeal to silence and stop the Lord Jesus, the religious crowd of his day is often referred to in ways that depict an a form of in unhinged madness, a, a rage of hate, anger, malice, and often violence. He says back in Luke chapter 6, concerning these men who became outraged at some of the things that the Lord Jesus Christ was rebuking them for. And it says, and they were filled with madness and communed one with another what they might do to Jesus. There's an account in the book of Acts, chapter 7, a man named Stephen, a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, was preaching to a hostile crowd of men, religious men, who opposed the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. They became angry, upset, and in a rage against him. And it says in Acts chapter 7, verse 54, when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed on him with their teeth. Then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord and cast him out of the city and stoned him. Stephen died from that stoning. To actually open one's mouth and gnash down on someone's flesh with their teeth a person would have to be unhinged with rage and anger. And these men were at the preaching of Stephen concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. Before the Apostle Paul became a believer in the Lord Jesus, and before he was regenerated by the Spirit of God, he had been engulfed by this form of madness against the truth. When he recounts his testimony prior to his salvation, he says, I verily thought with myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And he talks about believers that he shut many of them up in the prison. And when they were put to death, he said, I gave my voice against them. In other words, he was part of the voices that called for these believers death. And I punished them oft in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme and being exceedingly mad against them, I persecuted them even under strange cities. That's what he did before we say, but something happened to the Apostle Paul. He came face to face with the glory of Jesus Christ and he was saved and born again. After that, he conversion experience, he became into a sound mind. He was saved, born again, uh, born again, regenerated in Jesus Christ. And the tables kind of were turned on him. Other unbelievers, after Paul's conversion, thought him to be mad because of what he preached and stood for. One Roman ruler, hearing Paul preach concerning the Lord Jesus Christ and the resurrection of Christ said to Paul, Paul, much learning doth make thee mad. Paul went into the city of Athens on his second missionary journey. 
And he stood in the city of Athens and he preached the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then certain of the religious crowd began to mock the apostle Paul there in Athens. And they said, what will this babbler say? Other some, he seemed to be a setter forth of strange gods because he preached unto them Jesus and the resurrection. And it says that they took him and brought him unto Areopagus, saying, May we know what this new doctrine whereof thou speakest, for thou bringest strange things to our ears. Well, in many, many cases, our single voice will sound like strange things to the ears of unregenerate men and women and young people who have been indoctrinated with the lies and false doctrines of this world. There were many times in Paul's life and ministry where, well, people quite honestly just thought he was some old crazy preacher who'd gone off the deep end, and that's what they thought. But what did Paul do? Well, it's clear in the Bible. He just kept on doing what he knew was right. And he kept on going about in his father's business. Yes, people thought he was mad and insane and, oh, old-fashioned for sure. Hardcore, unreasonable. But he just kept on going and doing what he knew was right. He said in 1 Corinthians 9, For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing the glory of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe unto me if I preach not the gospel. He said in that same passage, I made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. He told his, his life goal in the book of Ephesians. He said, Unto me, who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all men see what's the fellowship of the, men, of the mystery. In the life of most all fervent, dedicated men and women of God who sincerely want to advance the truth of God in Jesus Christ, there will be times when we all must do what is the right thing to do concerning the truth. There are times that we need to say what may not be popular among men and women to say. We must stand strong and refute the lies of evil with the truth of the Word of God. Often, we will have to do what is not truly appreciated and often hated by the world of unregenerate mankind. In every situation, we're required by our Lord to stand for what is right and oppose what is wrong and evil according to the will of God. Now, when we do, there will be times, often many, many times, when others think of us to be, well, just plain nuts. So what do we do? Well, we do what the Bible gives us example after example of doing. We just keep on doing what we know is right to do and look to our God to get us through and to bless our efforts. Paul said in 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know 
that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. When a person decides to dedicate their life to promoting the gospel and the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ and the things of God, I promise not everyone's going to be fond of you. To say the least, they're not going to like you or be fond of you very much at all. In fact, even if you did not have any enemies before that time, you will most certainly acquire some afterwards. A lot, a lot of men and women do not want to be told the truth as it comes from the Word of God. Back in Luke 12, Jesus had just finished teaching the people about some vastly important and spiritually important eternal matters. Let me call your attention to what one man said. After hearing the Lord Jesus preach, and one of the company said unto him, Master, speak to my brother that he divide the inheritance with me. Instead of asking about and being concerned with the serious eternal matters that Jesus had just spoken about, this man was only concerned with the cardinal matters of the world, his material inheritance from his father. Yeah, yeah, he must have thought. You know, I'm not concerned with all of that preaching about hell and eternal punishment, God and heaven and all that spiritual stuff. How about telling my brother to share those goats and sheep he got from my father with me? That's in essence what he was saying. Did he not hear what Jesus had just said, fella, if you not repent, if you do not repent of your sin, you're going to bust the slats out of hell. Listen to what the Lord Jesus had just finished saying to this pe- these people before this man asked this question. For there's nothing covered that shall not be re- revealed, neither hid that shall not be known. Therefore, therefore, Whatsoever you have spoken in darkness shall be heard in the light, and that which you have spoken in the ear and closet shall be proclaimed upon the housetops. And I say unto you, my friends, be not afraid of them that kill the body, and after that have no more that they can do. But I will forewarn you whom ye shall fear. Fear him which after he hath killed hath power to cast into hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. Those words were spoken from the lips of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said all that. And after that, all this guy could think about were some goats. The Lord Jesus told him, a man's life consists not of the abundance of the things which he possesses. A man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesses. Having, going, doing is not why God created us and it is not why he put us on this earth. The very most important concern a person must have in this life is first Make sure you're saved. Make sure you're trusting the true gospel and message of salvation in Jesus Christ for eternal life. 
Make sure you have not been deceived into believing a lie of untruth concerning salvation and eternal life. Make sure your faith for forgiveness of sin and eternal life is not in the things you are doing or have done. Religion does not have the power to forgive sin and will not and cannot grant eternal life. Salvation and having eternal life is not in our own personal goodness or our personal works or anything we can do outside the acceptance of the free gift of eternal life that's in Jesus Christ. My friend, you will not get into heaven by your religion and your good works or your good deeds. You will not get into heaven because you kept the Ten Commandments. You will not get into heaven because you have lived a good and decent life and are a good person from a human standpoint. You will not get into heaven because you're a good church member or because you have been baptized and then you lived a decent life in your religion. Jesus Christ died on the cross and took into his body all the punishment for sin of men and women who accept by faith and believe his gospel of truth and salvation. I have on this podcast a message concerning how to have eternal life. And if you're not absolutely sure about that, if you're not sure you're saved, if you're not sure when you die that heaven is your home, I would plead with you, go to that message, how to have eternal life, listen to it, follow what it says, and accept the truth of God in Jesus Christ and be eternally saved and secure in Him. Allow me to be Blunt, if you have been trusting anything other than faith in the sin payment and person of Jesus Christ for forgiveness of sin and rightness with God and eternal life in God's heaven, if you have been trusting anything other than that, you will not go to heaven when you die. That's the very first, foremost, and all-important matter a person must settle in their lives. All the good you may do in this life will count for nothing. All your Bible or religious knowledge will count for nothing before God if you are not first saved from sin by the grace of God through the faith in Jesus Christ and what he did for you while he was on the cross of Calvary. Get the matter of your eternal salvation settled first. Then, once you got that settled, The next thing after that, and one of the most vital matters, is what we just read above. Be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge. That if one died for all, then we're all dead. That is, they were dead in trespasses and sins. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. That they which live. If you have the new life and are a new creature in Jesus Christ, your life no longer belongs to you. It belongs to him. 
Paul said in Philippians 1.20, According to my earnest expectation, my hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. He said over in the book of Galatians, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I am, but Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He said in the book of Romans, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Yes, it's very, very true that the things of the world are extremely appealing to our flesh and our human existence. Our flesh and sin nature just simply wants, and it wants the things of the world. It wants and desires the forbidden things of the world that the world has to offer concerning our flesh. And it is a battle that every person born of, of the flesh fights every day. As a result, sometimes it becomes really easy to lose sight of what is truly important in this life. We go through life and all the cares and burdens of life come. Sometimes we neglect to remember those things which are truly, truly valuable and important. The Lord Jesus said it, and we read it a minute ago, for a life's man consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesses. The word life in the Bible and the word saved in the Bible are often used in the sense of all that a person lived for. That's many times used to denote as a generic term being saved in our eternal life. And simply put, when we die, we're able to go to heaven because we have been saved from the wrath of God. But sometimes those words, life and saved, they simply described all that a person has lived for in his physical life. A saved life in the Bible does not always mean eternal salvation. But sometimes the physical life that we live can be seen as a saved life in the Bible. Or in the sense of not being lost or not being wasted and not being ruined and rendered void based in what that life has lived for. From the beginning to the end of that person's of a person's life, what has he or she lived their lives for or in pursuit of? What has been the motivating factor in their lives? Have they spent their lives in pursuit of pleasure, the pursuit of wealth, the pursuit of fame and fortune, the pursuit of power and prominence over other men and women, the pursuit of self and self-indulgence and the passions and pleasure of this world and self-satisfaction without regard to anyone else or to the God who made and sustained their lives. The pursuit of chasing 
unsatisfied things that's common now and popular now called bucket lists. How does checking one more activity off your bucket list change or bring lasting joy or peace or satisfaction to your life? Check all off that you want. But my friend, they're not really, I promise, they're not really in the end going to bring you lasting joy or lasting peace or lasting satisfaction. There's really only one thing that can do that, and that is a life centered in service, devotion, dedication to the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says to some Christians in Romans 12, 12, so then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. How we lived our lives, what has been the pursuit of our life? Truly, when all the excuses are looked at and evaluated, that's, that is excuses for not serving God, not being dedicated to Him, not living our lives dedicated to the Lord Jesus Christ. When we boil it all down, really, that's all they are, just excuses. But they're not legitimate reasons and they're not legitimate excuses because in truth, there really are no really legitimate excuses for not serving the Lord Jesus Christ, especially when you consider all that he did for us, all that he has done for us, all that he's given us in Jesus Christ. The Bible says that in Jesus Christ, we are we who are blood-washed, born-again children of God in Jesus Christ have already been blessed with all spiritual blessings. All spiritual blessings. Every spiritual blessing that the God who created everything that is, everything that exists, every spiritual blessing that God could see to give us, He's already given us in Jesus Christ. Is it unreasonable? For him to say, be you steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. God, our Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, wants our love and our service to him. He doesn't want us to live miserable lives. Serving the Lord Jesus Christ is not a life that's a miserable life. It's, it's just not. His desire for us to live our lives in such a way that bring true joy and true peace and true contentment and true satisfaction into our lives. And I promise you, my friend, you will not find that. You cannot find that. It is impossible to find that out in the world of sin and out in the world of rebellion and out in the world of unregenerate mankind who know not God and who know not Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. It is not there. You're not going to find it no matter how hard you try, no matter how many activities you consume in your life. It is not there. True joy, true happiness, true peace, true contentment, True satisfaction will only and always be found in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ and service to him. There are plenty, plenty of ways to enjoy our lives 
without being enmeshed in the affairs of unregenerate mankind, a world that is diametrically opposed to the truth of the world of God. What would it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his own soul, the Lord Jesus Christ asked. He's already told us we live our lives for him. I mean, this is after. This is after he's already given us the greatest gift that any person could ever possess, the gift of eternal life in Jesus Christ. And he tells us that if you'll serve me after I've done all this for you, I've given you all the spiritual blessings you could ever receive. I've given you heaven as your home. I've given you eternal hope in Jesus Christ. I've forgiven you of your sins. I made you my child. And after all of that, he says, when you get to heaven, if you serve me while you're down there, I'll give you rewards. Rewards for doing what we ought to do anyway. Serving the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, here's an interesting fact about this. Now, the Bible tells us we're going to stand before judgment seat of Jesus Christ. Now, this is just for saved folks. Lost people got a whole completely different judgment. Now, ours is not for our sin. It's just going to be to determine how we serve God, whether we served him faithfully or not, after, after, after we're saved. We won't stand at that judgment and be in danger being judged for our sin and dying and being cast into hell. That, that's never going to happen for the child of God. Once we're saved, we're saved, and that's it. We're saved for all of eternity. But there will come a time in heaven when there's a judgment seat of Christ, and all of us who are saved will stand at that judgment and be judged. And if the things we did for Christ are in accordance with the Word of God and a heart of sincerity, we'll receive rewards. But an interesting fact, we have no idea what those rewards are going to be. The Bible never anywhere ever tells us well, what are we going to be given? What are we going to be rewarded with? The Bible never says. It says we'll get rewards. We don't know what they are. We don't know what they're going to look like. We, we, there's, the Bible never says. And I thought about that a lot, and I, and I believe it's this. Why does God not tell us what those rewards are going to be? I think it's this. I think there's something in the heart and makeup of our God that sincerely desires our love to him without having to be rewarded for it. I don't believe he wants, and I, I, and I do not believe he should have to pay us to love him and serve him, not after all he's done for us. There's something in the heart of God that fervently desires us to love him personally and in sincerity and not for what we can get out of it. That line of motivation is, is one of the problems in the prosperity, prosperity Christianity movement today. Give to get. Give to get. Do this and you get something out of it. That's not a scriptural doctrine of truth in the Bible. The truth is we may never see any kind of reward or restitution for our service to him, not in this life. In fact, church history has proven many, many good godly men and women have only seen, tr seen trouble and strife and, and persecution and heartbreak and tragedy rewarded for their efforts in this life of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Christian life is not serve God for what you can get out of it. We serve him because of what he's done for us in Jesus Christ. We serve him because we love him. That is the motive 
and the heart throb of our God for us. Serve him because it's the right and pure thing to do. Serve him because he has already given us heaven. He has already blessed us with all spiritual blessings. He has already given us all things to richly enjoy. What else could we want to expect? I saw a story on the news the other day about this, the last remaining World War II Marine, the last one who had won the Medal of Honor. He was 95 years old, and he still travels the country 200 days a year helping to found military memorials in cities all across the United States. They showed him in several cities unveiling military memorials commemorating those who had died in the service to their country. Now I thought, what a great thing that man is doing. Those men and women died so that we could remain free in America. And in the case of Christians, be able to keep our freedom, the further the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Few countries in this world remain where the gospel is free inside those countries to be communicated and shared with other men and women. He was 95 years old and still traveling 200 days a year. What a story. Then the thing that struck me about that was this. Even though what he was doing is a good and noble thing to do, it pales in comparison to the importance in sharing and furthering and continuing in the effort to advance the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world of unsaved men and women. Those men and women who will face eternity without God and without the salvation that's only in Jesus Christ. I was privileged in my younger ministry to hear a great man of God preach, Dr. Jack Hudson. He was truly one of the most sincere and tender men of God I ever heard preached. He had an elderly preacher in his church at one time. And this elderly preacher told him he had been invited to a church on the other side of the country to preach and that he was going to go. Dr. Jack said to Brother Paul, you know, Brother Paul, that's a long, long way to go at your age. Why don't you just let me send one of the younger preachers to take your place and you just stay here with us? The old preacher put his hand on Dr. Jack's shoulder and said, no, Jack, I have to go. Because the path of man is too dark, the heart of God is too greed, and the cross of Christ is too glorious for me to stop now. Yes, in Jesus Christ, we who are saved have a glorious future in eternity. But in the meantime, we have a life to live here on this earth and it should always without reservation be lived in dedication and honor to our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for your time in listening to this podcast. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all.